Welcome back to the Transcending Podcast. This week's episode is going to be so amazing. It's talking about love. Um, again, I am your host, Brian, and with me are your co-hosts, and I'll let them introduce themselves again. Hello, uh, I am Joseph. I'm Brennan. I'm Chase. Um, again, so much to go over this podcast. There's there's genuinely so much. Love is such a such a crazy topic to talk about. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go in any direction. This literally can take in any direction. So I'm gonna take it into this certain direction because I was just thinking about this um, prior. Um, relationship wise, kind of like I guess I'm gonna just question. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lay a question down for you guys to kind of just answer at your own demise. Um, in a sense, um, when it comes to relationship and love, what is one of your personal standpoints on that topic? I think that love has been so, I guess, at least in Western culture, it's been so chalked up to be this thing that's only in romantic relationships Mm. to the point where like, you know, people sometimes can't feel like they can say, I love you to a homie. (laughs) <laughs> or they, you know, you can't. True, true. Yeah, you know, and it's it's weird because I think love should be something that's all encompassing for everyone, right? And an emotion that you can actually portray to people mm-hmm. in a non-romantic way, and right? like even like to strangers. Like I feel like in society, it's so like strange for you to show love in like a real way like that to somebody who you don't know. Mm. Or, like, someone you just randomly meet out in the street or, like, whether at the store or whatever. And, like, you could show acts of kindness and, like, be loving to a person. And, like, it might seem, like, weird socially to, like, maybe act that way towards, a, like, someone that's, like, you've never really interacted with or whatever. And I think you're right. Like, it's a lot more than just confined to relationships specifically. Like, it could be anybody. I agree. But I think, like, there's this whole idea, and I'm going to take it back into, like, now the brokenness kind of love because um, so many people honestly get so taken back when it comes to like a, an act of kind of love in a sense. Just like let's say right. when you kind of say I love you to somebody for the first time, you know, their general reaction is not right away. Oh, thank you. Like I love you too. Like that comes after the genuine relax- reaction of did he or she really just say that? type of thing, you know, mm. and I feel like it's because yeah. of this brokenness in this kind of world that we live in where love is so perverted and distorted now. Um, mm. Take about, t- going back to the relationship wise, I mean, when you think about it, like you have these young high schoolers and I mean, I'm not far away from them in a sense because I literally just graduated like last year, but like going up in my high school years like when you go in to date somebody and stuff like that and you do finally get to the point where like I love you it's just like I've been hurt too many times like what is love mm-hmm. in a sense so like everybody right. gets so taken back and it's just kind of it kind of leaves you in a spot of like a little bit of like I, I don't know how to explain it the right way it just leaves you in a spot of like weirdness sure mm-hmm. but it feels like all of that implies that it, it's almost in an unspoken sense, a rare commodity in the sense that it's very powerful. And like you're saying, almost shock inducing when it seems to be expressed genuinely. Mm. And there's almost a sense of distrust simultaneously because Mm. of the perversion that you're describing is 
because of the fact that love is so rare, mm. it, it seems to me that there's an implication that you might, at that face value of being expressed love, think it's not real, that it's fake, or that it's a tool that someone else is using to get somewhere. But it's really powerful when it's genuine. Right, and it's so sad now that people don't realize what's genuine from what's perverted. Yeah, you oh know, and like it's real. such a conversation <laughs> in that direction because people just don't realize it. And we could talk about like what maybe would be some causes to that, right? Like maybe you could think of is like is there like a lack of healthy boundaries? Because I know like at least in a lot of relationships I've seen, or even just my own relationship that I got out of was like it almost like isn't completely obvious what is a good healthy boundary like mentally for you between you and them so if they aren't a point in your a part of your life anymore in the future like you're not completely devastated by it or like what are the physical boundaries that are healthy right Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of that stuff isn't really even taught to us in terms of like right what what is okay in order to keep me emotionally and mentally okay if something bad happens so you tragically end up having to learn by error right. consequence thus you get what you guys were talking about earlier this idea where you people run into this broken version of love because they had didn't go into it with the right intentions i think like yeah hmm. like taking back to my relationship i was like um devastated by this one relationship and it still has haunted me to this day to be completely honest i mean once you once you genuinely give your all to somebody and you know like that sense of love is so strong for that person, you cannot just stop loving them. And like here's the thing for me too, like after the whole fact, after everything kind of blew over and we stopped talking, that me and this person, like I tried hating her. You know, I tried all of the avenues, like, but I couldn't hate her. Because my love for her was so strong and it still is to this day. And I don't know, is that a good or a bad thing? But I mean, that's kind of like a rhetorical question. But like going back mm-hmm. to the to the topic is like once you truly, truly love somebody, you don't ever stop loving somebody. Like truly. You know what I'm saying? And I think also <laughs> middle school and high school kids are also kind of like jacking this this version of love real quick too where it's like – within a week they're like i love you i love you mm-hmm. and then like and then like once that quote unquote relationship after 3 weeks ends they're like no i never loved them like this right and this sure. is yeah. so stupid they don't have a precedent mm-hmm. for what the real love is yet so anything that even feels like a tiny little bit of it probably feels very genuinely like love to them right and i mean <laughs> it begs the question what is you guys the definition of love mm. Mm. Oh well, yeah. I um, I use this quote a lot, and and it goes, "Love is not a feeling. Love is what you do in spite of how you feel." Yeah, no, it's and there's so much precedent to mm-hmm. that because here I'll even take this into a biblical account. I don't think Jesus was on the cross having a grand old time being crucified. But his love for us and humanity put him on that cross and he did it anyway. Mm. Even though he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to be in so much pain, Mm. but he bore it 
any way. Mm-hmm. And that's a different type of love. That's my definition of love. Right. You know? But, like the hallmark of it, the the most extreme example of it you can think of. In a sense, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I feel like that seems evidently true because a very, someone who doesn't love at the deepest wouldn't choose to make a choice like that. Right. So we can, that, that forces us to immediately consider that love is not inherently just a feeling because we're not always going to feel giddy and lovey and yeah. you know, goofy and, you know, just good about any person mm-hmm. that we have chosen or have found ourselves in love with. We're going to feel disgust and we're going to feel disinterest and we're going to feel anger from mm-hmm. time to time. So I, I agree. It's, it's a matter of what you do in spite of how you feel. I mean, in some sense, it's a lot like bravery in the sense yeah. that if you're not afraid of like, let's say getting on a plane, it's not brave for you to choose to take a flight. But if you're terrified of planes and you choose to get on a flight because someone dearly wants to see you, that's deeply brave. I do want to interject and say, the beeping you hear in the background, we're cooking a pizza. <laughs> hey, we're keeping it real. We're straight up here. Straight up. Straight up, uh, straight up cooking a pizza. We're excited about it. Uh, yeah. I'm ready to munch on that. We're yeah. ready. We're, we're ready. But we love pizza. We really right, do. guys? But I do agree with you on that, though. Like, mm-hmm. there is... It, it's... Like, at its simplest form, it's what you do in spite of how you feel. Sure. You know? What about you? Like, Brendan? Yeah, I think it's like the... Un, it's almost like the unconditional upholding or, or favor um they give to somebody and it's like it's it it's exactly that it's the choice that you make and it, it i feel like it comes with for me it took a while for that to kind of manifest till i got to the point where i had that decision made in my mind and the way that i thought about that person was so different than how I thought about them like even a month or two into our relationship like it's just the way that you view them and care about them is like on a completely different level mm. after a little while yeah there's some depth to it yeah it's not just a feeling yeah yeah and I feel like when you're in a relationship it's hard because sometimes you say I love you so much that the word starts to lose its meaning yeah. and yeah. at that point it's kind of like I lost my train of thought again. Well, Dude, that's going to be such a common theme. But like, <laughs> losing his thought. Hey, but, yeah, yeah. But I, um, no, I, I agree. Where it's like, but it shouldn't be though. Yeah. But it is. Where yeah. it's like you, you, the over usage of the word love um, starts to lose its meaning because you say it so much. That mm. shouldn't happen. Yeah. But that happens going way back to the beginning of this episode where we talked about the perversion of it. Yeah. So you already have right. this crooked way of looking at what love is. You have these boundaries in what you and where you've set love because mm-hmm. of maybe an instant you went through. Like I'm gonna be so for real. Maybe your your love that you were shown was being molested by your father. Maybe mm-hmm. your love that you were shown was so jacked and perverted that now when it's not in mm-hmm. that type of sense, you don't feel it. 
And then especially when somebody comes up to you who genuinely cares about you and says, you know what, I love you, you're like, no, you don't. Straight up. Because it's not the form that you understand to receive it in. Exactly. Uh, It changes your outlook on it as well and like how you feel like you should interact with it. And and it might even change your attractions and like do weird things physiologically that it's it's entirely messed up. It's it's so sad to see that stuff, but it happens and it's so sad. Because, I mean, like, the bias of what we, I mean, like, what's the golden rule? Do to others as you would like to do to yourself. Mm. That literally stems from just loving. Like, Mm -hmm. you want to love other people. People will love you back. But, like, Mm. we're just in such a, just a bad world. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I meant to bring up earlier is, like, if you have a word for love in a relationship, then what is your word for love outside of a relationship? I mean, I would think the word love would stem to everyone. But if that's the case, then what word do you use in a relationship to express this romantic love versus like an all-encompassing love to everyone else? Is it action? I think You would do different things for your own partner than you would do for the world. exactly i mean you think about it and it's like you have these you know the five the five love languages when you start knowing your partner specifically like you start attending to what their love language is and that's what you're doing differently from everybody else you know i mean you're like like you're just so committed and involved in what your partner's love language is then you're giving them you know the love that they yeah you know need the most um well on an outside perspective like just saying yo bro i love you because you just genuinely care about somebody Mm -hmm. that's where the difference is yeah and that i guess you could infer from that that the love that you have for the people the closest to you can be seen and that you're willing to take extra time and effort to love them in the way that you know they are able to receive it it's not something that you would just do, right. do for anybody. So maybe you could infer that um, love can be predicated on where are you willing to put your energy? Mm-hmm. Who, who do you care to give a lot of energy to? Because you only have so much mm-hmm. of it. Interesting thought would be if for love, um, for the way that you think of love between you and whoever you're with and the importance that you feel for that person and the immense value that they have. And what if the love that we show others is to be the love like that? The love where you like, try, try, try to treat people you don't know with the same value and worth that you would give somebody in your romantic relationship mm. and reflect that much care for like who they are. Mm. And I think that is something that would surprise them in like a good way. Mm. Sure. Well, let's, I mean, I I guess as a thought experiment, let's explore that concept because that would, I think we can all agree that that would be ideal, that if we could continuously pour energy into everyone as though we love them to the fullest, we would probably create the best world for ourselves. So I guess I would ask you guys, do you believe that it's realistic to reach a state in which you're able to care for everyone the way you would care for someone you deeply love or are we 
having to manage resources to only love the ones closest to us the most and everyone else to lesser extents as they get farther out. Like the, like a pedicure or a, yeah, did I say that right? Uh, <laughs> what? I don't think I did. Like a, like a, like basically like this triangle. Who's at the tip? Who's going down? Yeah. It's like, like a, a front pyramid? Group. Like a pyramid, but like there's another word. An for inverted it. funnel. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I totally yeah. said that wrong. Not a, not a, not a manicure or pedicure. Like it, it's yeah. called something else, but like something along those lines. But it's, yeah, I sense this triangle. Who's at the very top? Who's at the very bottom? Yeah. yeah. I suppose the most efficient way to spread love is to meet as many individuals as you can and hold everyone to a similar value as you do, no matter what group they are in, no matter what ethnicity mm. they are, no matter where they come from, their backgrounds or perspectives, understanding that everyone has their own life that they've been living, their own individual experiences that have led them to create this choices that they've made or made them the person that they are today. In order to be able to recognize that and act on that in a kindness way in a way that caters to whatever personality or you know what i'm saying i see yeah. i see yeah. what you're inferring you're, you're you're what you're saying i believe is very possible but it, it requires a swallowing of pride and in some sense a letting go of fear because yeah. it's not always easy to do exactly what you just described mm, yeah. and i think it seems evident to me in this moment that pride in a political in a cultural in a faith-based sense immediately surfaces if i try to think mm. about showing love to um certain groups of people because i've been fed ideas that certain groups of people are inherently imposed to the well-being of my own life and the well-being mm. of the life of the people within my own quote-unquote camp mm. and i feel like you have to swallow your pride to try to get over that very concept mm. what do, mm -hmm. do you guys believe there are any other obstacles to that so that i'm gonna bring it back go? into the high school realm of things and and for you guys who are listening I bring it back to high school a lot, and you've kind of noticed that over the couple of podcast episodes that we've had now. Um, a lot of it because I think a lot of people undermine how much high school years truly staple your life. Um, and so with that being said, I'm bringing it back to the, the, to the thing of, of, of high school where, you know, in high school, how everybody had these cliques. You were part of this, you were I part of that. you were going to it, bring it in the click direction. You know, uh, hey, you know exactly, you know it. Because yeah. it's so true. So many people have, you know, the cool kids, the nerds, the the, the jocks and the theater kids and the, the band kids. And the They're all tribes. They're tribes of people, right? Um, and if you're a part of this group, you don't really like to associate with this group. Right. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> In in the most pride. in the most sincere and respectful way, get over yourself. Yeah. You have to learn that high school isn't it. Yeah. After high school, there is a world. 
yeah. of yeah. different diversities, different ethnicities. Oh, by the way, after high school, there's no cliques anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, like, there's no cool kids in this and that. You have to go out and meet people and just be like, hey, is this somebody that I can genuinely have a connection with? And ask those questions. That's how you make it out here in the real world. You know? Yeah. I suppose... That could even be related to any part of life. Right. Like no matter what part of life you're in, if you're tied up with some group, some organization, and that organization is pushing certain beliefs about other groups and organizations, it's similar to that idea of cliques. Yeah. And it's kind of like the... A slightly more subtle clique. Yeah. A larger like one. The get out of there and experience what these other people are actually like for yourself versus taking mm. someone else's word for them because you can't truly yeah. love mm-hmm. someone until you get to know them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And Which would imply that ignorance is another monster in the room that prevents love from taking right. over. I think Ooh. going back yeah. to like <laughs> the fact that Let's go. with <laughs> loving so many people or if you want to love so many people, I, I think you brought this up just with that. Like it takes a lot of energy or like it, 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 it's, it's hard to engage that way for other people because of how often it feels that they don't like reciprocate or engage in that way. Right. Yeah. You're, you're actively going against the current of what everybody's doing and Which expends what you have. And it's tough on you. I, I, at least for myself in my experience trying to do that with people. So it's just really hard to like humble yourself and do something extra for somebody else mm. um, in a world where that's never happening, mm. right? right? Right. And trying to be the bigger person in a lot of like weird confrontations that you might have with random people, or just like choosing not to be angry about certain things, or giving people the grace in certain moments. You know, the saying "pick your battles." Yeah. You know, it's such a it's right. such a real saying. Like, so many people nowadays get so uptight about the littlest things that don't matter yeah and like going back to what you said is so true brendan i agree with that and it's like mm-hmm. dude like you just need to like and, and, and you do get drained so easily if you're just outpouring so much and there's nothing being reciprocated right, right. Like, but it's super yeah. fun and it's super great and love big quotations around it works when it's reciprocated right when i'm giving you some attention and i'm you know Stepping out of my comfort zone and texting, hey, what's up? And you're like, dude, good to hear from you. And you're like, this actually feels nice. It -hmm. just takes that little, you know? It doesn't take a whole lot. But if you continually, and I've experienced this as well, where you Mm -hmm. continually reach out to people and there's no reciprocation, and it's just like, well, I don't want to give up on you, but it's so tough. Right. When it's not reciprocated. Right. You know something that's really interesting about like modern day society? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, hey, going back to episode one, flashback. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to interject and say we need to come up with a, a bingo like card at one point. <laughs> society is just going to be the middle square. Yeah. Like it's every time. I think that's our free space. We'll upload that online and just have people download it. <laughs> we'll make an app for you guys. Don't for worry now, about it. For the show. It'll we'll come Improve out. your experience. Yeah. yeah. But Continue. <laughs> it feels like there's something that's so innately 
incredible about giving out love to other people. Like this mm. weird, it feels like in society yeah. we we're taught that everything you shouldn't be giving anything of yours because you earned it. Mm. You earned what you. Mm. That's so real. You yeah. earned it. Absolutely, Chase. and so. Uh-huh this hyper individualistic culture yeah yeah and there's so much focus on what you do have mm. and that's such an important sort of drive that i feel like it exists in america yeah. especially that's what i feel like yeah i feel like there's some sort of like pressure and drive make as much as you can make as much as you can have as much as you and can. then put a fence around it so nobody can right. touch yeah. it exactly. yeah build up Protect your walls it, store make sure up your nobody grain. can hurt you and take them take the money but right. why not instead of store up your own grain, why don't we just put it all together and have a massive grain? Yeah. See, yeah. That's, that's the point I wanted to get that's to. That's communism, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. That's communism. Hey, wait, hold up. Hold we up. can't have that. Man. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't the thing is, um, with, with like just how humanity is at its core. For some reason, even though we've been taught this idea of protect what you own, for some reason it feels so good to give. Mm. Why is it that? It does feel amazing to give. I love it's, it when you we live in a paradox. It's at our core. It's human nature. And for mm. some reason we've been taken away from that and been skewed. Something, again, it's that human instinct mm. versus the human influence Ooh. yeah mm. yeah that one's going on the bingo card that's going oh, yeah. on the bingo card yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. get that one on the hall of fame right there. No. <laughs> put it on the wall that's a very brilliant way to put it chase and it yeah i think it can be inferred from that that there's a war going and there's a war going on globally and in our own hearts every single day we don't just love there's something else in us that's very selfish. So I guess we could infer that love is a struggle against whatever that selfish instinct is. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't burn yourself, Brian. (laughs) I'm trying to grab the pizza. Brian's pizza. (laughs) Brian's grabbing the pizza. Dude, I'm about um, to burn right now. Oh, that looks really good. Anyway. Oh. For the listeners, it is a uh, Red Baron pepperoni pizza. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, <laughs> no. but we will be. Not yet. Yeah. Everybody start spamming Red Baron, please. Yes. And tell them that we need to. At Red Baron. Baron. At Instagram. At Red Baron. <laughs> at Red Baron. At, at Transcending Tuesday Podcast. Go sponsor them. Please share that. Just get it out to the world. But yes, um, I have a really... I have a really, really crazy question for you guys, and I don't know if you're ready for this. Shoot. It's it's transcending Tuesdays, man. I mean Aim that question right at Brennan. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna aim it right at Brennan. Okay. This question, um, do not take it in a controversial way. This is a disclaimer. This is literally just for purposes of just wondering where people's perspectives is, so do not take this and run with it, because obviously it's bad. Um we We know what's going on over in the Middle East. Right now there's a war. Um, It's pretty obvious. The Israels versus the the Hamas, right? Yeah. Uh, The terrorist group. It's not not pretty. War is not a great thing. It's horrible. It's horrendous. So my question in all of this would be, take the Hamas and the Israelites, for example. The Israelites are over there. Obviously, they're in their land, they're whatever, and then the Hamas are then 
going into their land and basically killing as many Jews as they can, all in the name of their uh, doctrine, in a, in, a, in a way. Um, do you think in their heads that that is loving in the world? Do you think to them that's a sense of love with each other or like... You, you know what I'm talking, you, right, you know what I'm sure. trying to get to? Yeah. Like, do you think that their, their proceeding of love is like, you know what, we're going to kill all the Jews because that's mm -hmm. my sense of love to the rest of the world because the Jews are, quote unquote, like, basically making the world horrible. And that's what their ide ideology is. So right. do you think that, like, their sense of love is kind of like... I, I would say it definitely depends on where they're ethics come from i think specifically in that region there's a there's a high chance that a lot of it is religiously motivated mm. in terms of a lot of the eth the laws built up around a lot of these countries are built ethic on the ethical backings of religious groups yeah and the religious um rules and laws kind of become part of the actual it's like a, like a lot of like kind of like theocracies in a way mm. um and I think definitely, like, depending on, like, what, like, religious group it is, like, it could have an incredibly skewed view of their form of religious conquest in some sort of way. Kind of like in the Crusades where it felt like they were righteously doing something by taking the lives mm. of heathens and people who really believed in other religions. And it was a holy war, right? It was this idea right. of, it was, it was for good that this happened, right? And they somehow sure. justified that through their kind of delusionist interpretation of scriptures right and i feel like it definitely could be the same with these kind of extremist groups yeah it's like a, a take on the greater good right sure yeah um i i would probably I, I think that that's a very valid piece of the pie in what is probably going through hamas and every individual picking up an arm by his side's mind uh, some combination of their socio-political and cultural and religious backgrounds. Those right. infer their definition of what love is and what mm -hmm. is good. Yeah, there's um, a lot more than just the sort of religious stemmings from a lot of this. Like, like you said, there's a lot of factors that can go into it. Right, because I would probably... There's definitely... I don't want to play too partisan with an active political issue, but I think it would also be good to like take into account um, just the geopolitics of that region since the 1940s, because right, yeah. just from a political perspective, a Palestinian would probably state something along the lines of it's not just an extermination of Jews that they seek, but rather they've watched since the 40s their homeland gets stripped away from them by the british and then they've seen yeah. a, a large massive jewish immigration in the area and the israeli state has taken a lot of territory away from them um and so whichever side is valid in their political decisions i don't want to commentate on right. but from the palestinian perspective I think it, it can be evidence that there's a lot of fear mm. and that there might be individuals 
firing rockets and bullets right now just because they feel like they won't have a house to stay in tomorrow if they don't fight now. Wow, mm. that's a really good point. Yeah. Couldn't you guys just listen to Joseph's voice all day long? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy smokes. For real. Oh, this that. guy has so much factual information in his brain. He's <laughs> yeah, literally a genius. It's a, per- it's like mm. you said, it's a perspective it's knowing the history of it. It's mm-hmm. understanding right. yes. the individual so you can love them. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, Chase, it's this issue cannot be understood unless you're willing to sit down and try to understand the minds of both parties. Right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because there's valid fear on both sides. There are Jews surrounded by an entirely different demographic. And, and they, mm. their parents were pulled out of Europe after probably one of the most horrifying genocides in history, they're displaced. They're surrounded by people that they don't agree with. And the people that um, the uh, Islamic demographics uh, that are surrounding them are fearful of the fact that they weren't there 80 years ago and now they're here and now they're fairly prominent. And there's the United States Air Force flying over them now. There are two very valid fears at play here. And I think Mm -hmm. that maybe what we can infer from this is that fear has its purpose, but it does get in the way of love. Shoot. Yeah. That was fire. That (laughs) brings up, and actually super cool, because we were going to mainly talk about love, but we did want to intricate fear into this conversation. So you did that beautifully, by the way. Um, So... I mean, I've heard this question in my um, 11th and 10th grade history teacher um, brought this up a lot. Um, would you rather be loved or feared? And yeah, which one has question. which which one has the most credence over your life currently? Anybody can mm. answer, and I want every actually I want everybody to answer. I mean, in short, I feel like there's a massive urge to say I'd rather be loved. I don't right. quite understand the mind of someone who wants to be feared, mm. but mm. maybe that's not true. I'd say maybe what that ties into maybe like a, a sense of power, right? Like maybe along with fear, like you just want people to respect you. You want people mm. to like understand that you were somebody who was incredibly unique in like some sort of weird, twisted way. There's a, a sense of fascination um, that they want people to have. Um, and I don't like know. Exactly, yeah, I don't know exactly where that stems from. Right? Maybe that. Maybe it's control. No, it, I feel like it definitely stems from either mm. um, uh, some type of con- communism, where somebody is the head of something and they do atrocious things to the people that that are under them because they want to have that sense of you are underneath me and I own you, and that's where that fear comes in. But when you ha- when like there's this sense of love to to it the the question would you rather be loved or feared if you're loved that brings up the question of would people not respect you the same way they would respect somebody who they feared yeah mm. I feel mm. like um, the people who would rather be feared than be loved are acting out of fear itself mm. probably so mm. that makes sense I that's probably maybe the only mechanism they quite understand. Ooh, yeah. Because yeah, that's true. we all kind of just 
generally understands the concept of a control freak. It's an individual who, for one reason or another, seems to need to assert themselves in a way to where they have control. And, you know, we all kind of jokingly state that those people themselves don't ever feel like they're in control of their own lives. So maybe to be Machiavellian, to want to be feared, is just a grander expression of that. Literally think about it in that way. Psychology explains it perfectly when you dive into it. Take a bully, for example like a bully at, at school or whatever, or just yeah, like a bully perfect. at work or something like that. No they example. go up to you and they like, you know, annoy you. They pick at you. They make fun of you. And it's like they're doing it out of honestly fear. Yeah, They're doing it out of fear of themselves not being good enough in a sense to fit the standard or the status quo of where they should be. Um, I mean, there's literally a statistic that's like uh, a lot of bullies – honestly are underdeveloped they are not equivalent or the same um place as people their age like emotionally developed like emotionally developed sure i mean how many bullies do you know that had good home lives not many probably not many probably not many yeah you know you, you hear you finally get to like um maybe hear their story and it's so jacked yeah. as well because that's just and like they they feel like that's that maybe having a sense of control over somebody else is better because they don't have that sense of control or anything like that at home. Yeah. You know? I feel like that's probably the case. Yeah, that kind of gets tied back into where we were originally talking about where people get their first kind of perception of love, right? Right. And, like, the first time you really see it is in your own family Mm. and how your parents treat you and, like, how much time they spend with you and, like, um, just, like, having siblings and being with them and, like, being modeled a version of love that can then be through you be shined out into the world so you can make that change but it starts at the beginning it starts it really does and i'm gonna go back to society remember when we let's back to episode one if you guys remember us talking about the whole uh monkey see monkey do same thing when you're integrated into something or someplace that's new you start developing what you see you start becoming that. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. literal society. Now tie that back over here where it's like, yeah, when you're constantly in a home and like you you mirror people, you mirror how you've been shown a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like if you're not shown that, obviously you wouldn't mirror it. Yeah. In a, a sense. You don't have a precedent for it. You don't have a precedent for it. You wouldn't even know what to mirror. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it's like, dang, that is crazy on right. a different level but like yeah and i feel like that ties back into what you were talking about earlier chase in terms of trying to understand people's backgrounds and that like there are giant demographics of people who grew up in cultures who just statistically are on the side of the bell curve of having a bad image mm. and so mm. we are lent to ask ourselves the question that if if, if you consider yourself an individual that knows how to show love, would you be that same individual if you didn't have that mirror growing up? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's, yeah. a re- that's a recipe for empathy if you're willing to actually sit down and swallow your pride and yeah. think about that question. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, like, for a message out there to everyone, no matter what 
different groups will tell you about how you're supposed to handle a bully situation right. or like how yep. you're supposed to handle someone who is giving you tough love or just any type of situation. Personally, I've been told to handle like love as like, oh, you got to be a little bit mean to them. You got to tease them. You got to pick mm. on them a little bit in order to kind of show your affection. Right. But in reality... It feels like it does the opposite for quite a lot of people out there. Mm. Yeah, it really does because, like, it sticks with you. Mm. Like, no matter what, the smallest things stick with you. And I think here's another super miscommunicated and not talked about topic um, is it's the little things that, that, that are on your plate that eventually fall. The, the, the mm-hmm. compiling of all of the little things on your plate. Um, it's not the big things that happen because big things, I mean, they they require big cleanups, but big cleanups are obviously easier because you know it's big. When it's small, we like to kind of brush it under the rug in a sense and just kind of stuff it a little bit deep like, oh, that didn't affect me. What they said or whatever didn't affect me, but it comes back. And it really does. Uh, and it, it comes back subconsciously in a sense because it's like you don't even try to, but then one random night when you're laying in bed, you're like, gosh, I remember when that person said that to me. Like out of nowhere. Like yeah, we've right. all experienced it, you know? Yeah, it's the danger of something being subtle. It's when it's small, tiny, incremental doses, you don't want to address it immediately, like you were saying. But if right. something big comes mm-hmm. at you... It's just, you have to deal with it. Right, exactly. So we're wrapping up here. Final thoughts on on love from all of you. Um, I, I just think we need to be more willing and open to remap the way that our brain thinks about how we engage with people we don't know into a different kind of framework, right? So in situations where people... Are trying to make you are trying to make you angry or unintentionally making you angry try in every time in every situation that that happens immediately forgive them for it immediately show them grace and immediately think of the potential situations that they could be in in that day or because you don't know their situation as well and i think over time what that will do is eventually change the way we think about other people mm. and our natural instinct reactions when people make us angry it might change to a natural and secret reaction to be forgiving. Mm. And by that, we could show them love if they can actually see our actions and hopefully change the way they think about it and just hope that multiplies. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. What about you, Joseph? I think that that was good, Brennan. I guess like benefit of the doubt, essentially. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd, if I had to impart any kind of perspective on it, it's that, Love is wonderful, and, like, I feel like you guys did a good job talking about, like, what it means and, like, how important it is and whatnot, and I I like to view things upside down in the sense that I think that it's, a for me, the most important thing about love is understanding what keeps love from doing well, it, and I would say that the best way to do that is to be conscious of what 
is destroying love. Be conscious of what fears are keeping love away. Be conscious mm, of yeah. ignorance and be conscious of your own pride. Right. And absolutely. Try to be conscious of anything else that keeps it down. Right. And if we get rid of the bad things, then it's easier for the good to do well. Yeah, that's and very then, good. That's very good, yeah. Mm. What about you, Chase? Final thoughts on love? I'd say keep in mind perspective. Because no matter yeah. what person is going through whatever, everyone has a story. Everyone has experiences, good and bad. Mm. And ultimately, if you were in their shoes there is a possibility that you would be making the same choices that they're making, living yeah. the same life, and all around being potentially the same person. Right. A very large chance. Yeah. Um, for me, I'd say, remember that love is not just a feeling. It's what you do in spite of how you feel. You Seriously. Yeah. Like, That's a good just make sure that you're not caught up in so much emotion mm -hmm. because emotion can get the best of us and it has like you can't lie about it like it get it gets everybody um but just make sure that you're you're founded in the truth of your emotions don't control you you know do mm -hmm. go outside of the box when it comes to love reach new people reach new things do things you wouldn't normally do and then you're going to actually come and find out and you'll reap the benefits of it later down right. the road you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, with that, the Transcending Tuesday podcast episode about love has come to an end. Um, again, tune in next week. Next week, I'm just going to give you guys the details of what next week's podcasts are going to be. It's going to be a short podcast episode, and it's actually just going to be talking about us, um, our individual lives, kind of what, what we've been through, just kind of like a testimony, if you will, about where we've been and where we're now at um but yeah it's going to be a short podcast so just keep a keep a lookout for that and yeah we'll be back next tuesday signing off for now <laughs>